0: Hi there, and welcome to the Violin Geek Podcast. I hope your summer's going well, despite this kind of whiplash we've all been experiencing, at least in the United States, with the Delta variant, and feeling quite hopeful at the start of the summer, and starting to open up. And In California here, we lifted most of our requirements, including mask requirements, after well over a year of that, and then last month happened, right? And we see the cases rising again, and. Meanwhile, I had started playing some outdoor events and weddings and and was starting to warm up to that idea, starting to connect with some friends I hadn't seen for a very long time. Now there's just a lot of uncertainty, and I thought it was a good time to maybe share this interview. Um, I was interviewed back in May for a Far West Teaches segment. Um, Far West is under the umbrella of Folk Alliance International which is a organization that's in the business of promoting folk music and they do that through annual conferences and Far West is the west coast chapter so of the United States Um, so like covering California of course and uh, up into Canada and I think um, technically down into Mexico perhaps I'm not 100% sure on that But uh, in any case, uh, great organization doing a lot of outreach through the pandemic, trying to help people stay going in their music careers. And um, I was honored to be invited to do this interview on virtual teaching back in May. And uh, honestly, at the time, I felt like the timing was a bit strange given the fact that everyone seemed to be opening up and getting back to in-person. And here I'm talking about virtual teaching. But as we see with this new Delta variant, and just as people—I've had students moving throughout the pandemic, um, people, you know, needing to to change jobs and move away—and and, and uh, we just see how we're kind of in a different world now. And even though there might not be a virus—hopefully not a virus—that's threatening us in the future, virtual teaching can be a part of our lives and doesn't have to be the zoom fatigue that people might have experienced early on in the pandemic when everything was suddenly going online. For me, I've been teaching virtually primarily, it's the only way that I've been teaching since 2009. So I wanted to share some ways in which that I feel that it can be just as effective as in person in some ways if not more so, I think mostly because of the fact that what I've experienced is I've been able to connect with people that really want to connect with me. And that rapport with a student and teacher, regardless of whether we're in person or we're online, is so much more important than that medium in which we're connecting. Uh, you know, we could have a, a, a great in-person teacher and then that's just magic, right? Right. Uh, we could have not the best situation. You know, it's not a good fit with the teacher and the student. And then whether we're in person or online, it it just doesn't even matter because it's just not going to be a good fit. It's not going to be effective. So I wanted to put that out there and offer some tips for people, especially teachers who felt like they have something to share and want to reach a wider student base. Sometimes the students that we need to connect with don't live down the street and it's great when they do. But for me, I found that there are people scattered all over the world. And at this point I've taught students in on every many, many, many countries, but um, certainly on every continent except for Antarctica. And um, between just the, the connection, the music connection, there's such an enriching experience, I think as well with just sort of feeling like our world is, Friendly and open. And when I connect with people that are in other countries, and we, especially through the pandemic, have been able to talk about some similar, you know, the shared experience of this kind of trauma and tragedy that we've all been um, overwhelmed by, there's just a sense of bringing people closer. And that's really what I think the online teaching, you know, best scenario could accomplish is a feeling of more of an like a global community. So I wanted to share this and um, help promote a little bit of Far West as well. They're just um, wonderful, wonderful team. And the conferences, if you're ever able to attend one of the conferences on the West Coast, I would highly recommend them. We went away just feeling like we had you know, a hundred new friends or something. (laughs) It was really a sweet, especially the first conference we attended down in the Los Angeles area uh, several years ago. Uh, It just, yeah, we went away and we, you know, friended all these people on Facebook and it wasn't just like those people went into the void. A lot of them, we've ended up sharing gigs with them. We've, um, you know, stayed in people's homes and shared meals together. And it's just been a really wonderful community of people to connect with so i hope you enjoy this virtual teaching segment here and maybe if you're someone who's already doing lessons online either teaching or taking lessons you might gain a few tips and if you're someone who just has never uh, done that before then i hope it might open up your kind of world to the fact that it can be something that can kind of stand on its own and doesn't just have to be a better than nothing situation. For me, when I'm teaching this way, it's, it's never a, a better than nothing. It's always my best. So I hope you enjoy.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Susie Glaze, vice president of Far West. I'd like to welcome you to the newest installment of Far West Teaches today, as we present Laurel Thompson and her workshop, Virtual Teaching for Success. While we've all had to get familiar with much more online life through the COVID pandemic, educator and touring artist Laurel Thompson has been teaching in her established virtual studio since 2009. Since that time, Laurel has taught students on all continents except Antarctica and pre-pandemic enjoyed touring 150 days a year as a performer while maintaining a robust weekly student load. In today's workshop, we'll discuss the, the logistics of setting up a virtual teaching studio at home and when on tour. Gain tips for marketing your lessons and attracting your ideal student, and talk about ideas for how to modify your teaching methods to make virtual music lessons not just a better-than-nothing option, but a viable teaching tool to help take students of all ages and abilities to the next level. Please visit Laurel's website for more information at laurelthompson.com. So now it's my pleasure to welcome to Far West Teaches, Laurel Thompson. Thank you, Susie. And, um, hi, Laurel.
0: Hi, and thank you to Far West for hosting this talk today. It's um, it's interesting as a lot of the world gets back to normal. At least maybe in the U.S., um, it feels like you know maybe some teachers might be wanting to return to their in-person studios, and others thinking, hey, you know, this offered me some. Different options that um, I wouldn't have had otherwise, and I know for myself, just having students all over the world has given me these little glimpses into just some really unique lives and cultures that I wouldn't have been able to access otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. We spoke before the call, and just talking about you know students that like how how would we have met them if not for being exactly. online, right? That's right, so, exactly. Yeah, it's really been amazing, and um, as time has gone on in my career, just more and more online, less and less in person, and I've just embraced it. I, it was very organic, the process, and uh, so the, the pandemic hit, and I just felt like, well, well, thank goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were ready, weren't you? We'll just you carry were on, already. you
0: know? <laughs> and before that, you know, I felt like kind of an outsider, um, or outlier, maybe we want to say. And uh, occasionally, people would contact me saying, how do we do this? How do we do this? And then, yeah, as soon as the lockdown hits, everyone was going like, wait a minute, you've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> how do we make this work? I so um, I thought I'd just start off with talking a little bit about just my background as far as teaching and, and specifically teaching online. Um, so I started teaching as a teenager, actually, and I fell into that very organically when one of my best friends, younger siblings, wanted to take lessons and Apparently, she only wanted to take lessons with me. So I was 14 teaching my first student, and um, I ended up really, really enjoying it. So I took on more and more, and kind of the rest is history. But um, in 2009, I was um, just lamenting how many of my students were moving away because I uh, was living in a town with a couple military bases. And so a lot of the students were maybe stationed there or their parents were stationed there for a year or two, and then they would get shipped off to South Korea or a boat off of Japan or some base in the middle of Oklahoma or something like that. Mm. And um, some of them kept in touch with me over the months and years after they moved away, just occasionally emailing saying, Hey, I made it to the end of this etude book. What should I do next? Or stuff like that. And, um, then my partner at the time uh, said you know technology is kind of to the place where you could probably carry on with some of these people online and uh, i thought well that sounds interesting and it Mm -hmm. took a couple months to um, really decide i wanted to dive in with that but um, but then i had a student who was having some financial difficulties and she was going to have to quit and i said hey why don't you be my guinea pig for this online thing and we'll carry on with some lessons and just you know see see how it works, and I can just test it out for myself and uh, that went really well. so then I just put a little thing up on my website saying, "Hey, I'm offering this service now," and within a month, I had a student in Hong Kong.
1: <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> which was amazing, really amazing.
0: yeah yeah someone who had recently moved over there and uh, looking for a teacher it turned out that when they had arrived like all the teachers were booked and everyone was very expensive and so they started looking for someone online and and my uh, my name popped up and uh, a lot of my students have just found me that way just searching doing a google search and Mm -hmm. um, so i feel really blessed that um, all those keywords and stuff that I put into my website early on have kind of boosted its ranking. And <laughs> Great. And the time, just been able to, uh, yeah, connect with people all over the place. Super. Is, uh, really really Super. awesome.
1: It's really yeah. a phenomenon. It's such a phenomenon, you know, yeah. that, that we are able to do it and, and actually help people. I thought that, you know, teaching singing um, online was not going to ever work, but it turns out that it works great <laughs> and uh, we figured out all the tech issues. So, so yeah, it's so cool that way it just fell into place for you.
0: Yeah. And what was also quite amazing too, was that a couple years thereafter I decided, you know, I really want to tour and um, I, I, I want that to be a big part of my life and at that point, this, the student load was enough that I could just kind of, you know, tour for months on end, taking my students with me. And the ones that were in person at that point, um, most of them, I mean, in the beginning, it was kind of hard to move them online. It seemed like a very foreign thing. And the people initially who were finding me back in you know, 2009, 2010, were people who were like, completely desperate to find a teacher. Like there was just no one close to them. They lived in rural areas or they had kind of been through all the local teachers and were looking for something different. Either someone you know who could give them more specialized instruction or, or just um, maybe someone who was comfortable teaching their age range. I, I had quite a few adult students who were finding that all the teachers locally to them just wanted to teach, you know, four-year-olds, and they felt like that wasn't quite what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, so it's been a, it's been an interesting journey, and um, just, you know, I was able to tour pre-pandemic, and take all these students along with me, and I think that was really a unique experience for them as well. They'd see my background change, and (laughs) wait a minute, where are you now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm in Canada. Oh, I'm, you know,
1: other side of the country you know so yeah and I know that we'll get into that in as part of this hour uh you know how you uh um, do your tech setup and um uh the pros and cons of virtual teaching and etc and and uh, you've got such great uh bullet points here in your outline I can't wait to hear all about it um I think now that we're talking about tech setup. Yeah,
0: so um, the biggest thing, like I would say if, I mean, we have to choose what kind of platform we're going to use, obviously, and in the pandemic, Zoom has become very popular. Um, I've used Skype for most of my online teaching career, and I have loved it. Um, I've also used some other platforms. Um, FaceTime it has, it works well. You know, anyone who's an Apple user, FaceTime tends to have pretty good audio and video. Um, I've also explored a little bit of gosh, um, Google Hangouts. I, I think they've changed names recently, but um Google has a platform as well as um actually Facebook, the Facebook um kind of video chat as well. But um I, I tend to come back to yeah, Skype, Zoom, and FaceTime as my top three. And um I think each one has its own kind of idiosyncrasies you have to work out. And um, the audio settings is definitely one of them, which we can talk about in a moment. But um, beyond kind of choosing your platform that you and your and your students are comfortable with, um, an Ethernet cable rather than a Wi-Fi connection is my top tip for teachers. And um, you know if you're teaching off of a phone or something like that, I mean possibly Wi-Fi is strong enough uh, where you mm-hmm. live, but it's really worth doing some speed tests. And exploring what the difference can be if you do use a wired connection. So, for mm-hmm. people who don't know it, it, basically, it looks kind of like a like an old fashioned, not a cell phone, an old fashioned like phone, wired phone um jack and you can just hook it right up to depending on if you have a kind of a just a modem or a modem router combo or whatever you have there it would just go into the back in one of the ports and connect directly into your computer if you're lucky enough to have a slightly older computer that has an ethernet jack otherwise um, you can get adapters for Mm -hmm. whatever you do have and Mm -hmm. um and yeah, actually, people should check because it's possible that um, tablets and phones now have adapters for that, too. I wouldn't be surprised. Right.
1: I have a question but, about yeah. that. I have a question about that. Say you are mm-hmm. traveling and you're in, in a hotel room in mm-hmm. Canada or something and you don't have access to a router or, yeah. you know, or the source of the Internet for that building. Yep. How would you use your Ethernet cable in that in that case? That's a little tricky. Although I do have a f- couple interesting stories around that,
0: so um, sometimes we just we have to do the best we can. But um, when I am traveling, um, I'll often rather than staying at you know a motel or a hotel, I'll actually pick an Airbnb, and I will set it up with them ahead of time, saying I'm going to be doing some. I don't necessarily say violin teaching depends on how comfortable I feel, but um, I will say I'm going to be doing some work, and I'm going to need a wired connection will i have access to those you know to to the nuts and bolts of the internet and um sometimes they've said yeah it's right there in the room just go at it you know other times it might be um, like if this is kind of an accessory dwelling unit um something like that i had an interesting story where it was kind of like a granny cottage that i was staying in and um, i ran the ethernet cord from the main house where the owners lived. Um, they allowed me to do this through the windows, <laughs> through the snow. <laughs> oh, God. So um, I don't, I can't remember how long the ethernet cable is that I have. I feel like it's like 300 feet and <laughs> it's a very lightweight one. Um, it's, it's like a flat one, which I hear is maybe not as robust a cable as the round one. I'm not sure if that's true or not. There's like cat six and you know, these other words and stuff like that. So I think that's probably more important. But um, yeah, you know, just being able to run that cable through a window, close the window, underneath the door. <laughs> so I worked wow. it out. Um, you know, in those those situations, um, there have been situations where they say, yeah, that's not gonna be possible. Um, and then I'll say, can you run a speed test for me and send me like a screenshot of the results? Because that's going to be kind of the make or break
1: mm-hmm.
0: decision-making right. moment there, whether or not it's going to be strong enough. And then, you know, if they send me back something that's, I mean, I think these days it's easy enough to get, you know, 20 download, at least five or 10 uploads, something like that. If it's like two download 0.5 uploads, something like that. It's probably not going to be ideal, and that's right. what people at home or if they're setting up their online teaching studio, that's that's what one of the first things they should look at is just okay. Let's run some speed tests. And in my case, um, I teach in a little. This is like a little separate building that we built here on the property where we live. And uh, where the actual router and modem is is very far away, so I've been able to um, run underground Ethernet cables oh. and um, just you know I plug it right into the wall here. Otherwise, my Wi-Fi like a speed test out here would be maybe thirty, which would be fine probably for for doing a lesson. But um, the problem is with Wi-Fi, it's not a stable thirty. Or you know if that's download, we also have to look at upload. Mm-hmm. Speeds, um, You know, it's not going to be a stable, stable line. It's going to be, you know, maybe it's 31 moment and the next moment it's five and then it's 18 and then it's 45 and then it's two, you know, just because other people are using mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi versus um, what a cable connection does is it just keeps that stream just very consistent because you're plugged directly basically into the, into the, into, into the internet. So.
1: Right, right. That's very helpful. Yeah, that's very helpful because if we're talking about now travel is, is coming back, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have to be, um, capable of, of, uh, connecting to our students if we're traveling, if we, if we're going to maintain and not take weeks off at a time.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, um, I've had really good experiences traveling as long as I've been able to do all of those things just to make, you know, make, make me feel as confident as possible that it's going to be a good connection. And, um, you know, there's their end as well, which, um, this is something to coach them on. And I always do a little like 10, 15 minutes, um, like a tech a tech meeting, you know basically um, meet um you know we can we can roll that into like a consultation, but initially just let's check your setup let 's just make sure that the audio and video and the internet connection is good and mm-hmm. and so yeah, any online student that's one of the first things we're doing, and with that, sometimes the onboard mics are just not quite up to par, and I feel like. at least as a teacher, you know, if I'm not going to feel confident say recording at least a demo with the mic that I'm using, then I probably wanna upgrade it. And there are a lot of options that um, you can use like a USB mic, just plug into your device and um, go at it. Or um, people can get fancier with small mixers and using more like a mic that they would use in a performance with XLR cables and that sort of thing. But um, but having something, I think in addition to the ethernet, I would say the next big tip would be to, to definitely invest in a, in a mic that, um, you know, can represent your sound as, as closely as it would if people were there in person. And sometimes with students, when we do that test, um, you know, I find it's a little like they're swimming underwater kind of a sound or something like that. Sometimes that can be the settings in the program. Sometimes it can be just the internet connection that's happening at that moment. And, um, sometimes, yeah, it's just consistent, consistently kind of not what we're looking for. And then we might need to have them get a mic as well. Mm -hmm, mm So, um, I've used like the blue mics as far as USB mics. Um, the blue Snowball is pretty affordable or the Yeti is a little bit more Expensive, but not not break the bank ex- bank expensive. And um, these days, I'm liking the Rode. It's the Rode NT USB mic, and um, I'm enjoying that how, one. How do you but...
1: How do you spell that, Laurel? Yeah, it's R O D E. N-
0: so that's the brand, and then the model is just N T, just okay. the um, letters, and then U S B. Great, and and yeah. th- that plugs right into your device, right into the U S B. And so assuming people have USBs, but I think, you know, most um, devices have adapters that you can at least transform a USB into something else. And I'm kind of, I'm waiting, honestly, I'm waiting for the new Mac um, computers to come out and to see what I hear that they're supposed to be adding new um, plugs back into their devices. Oh, that's good news. Like "Hmm, (laughs) maybe they're going to add a USB and an ethernet. That would be amazing. Um, I'm hanging on to my old computer here. It's not, super super old but um old enough you know and just because i need all of those ports so that's
1: right that's right i had to get a special box mm -hmm. with with a whole bunch of ports on it (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly exactly Yeah.
1: yeah beyond that i mean making sure that lighting
0: is decent um i actually have kind of like a full on you know like studio lighting rig that i've used for video um course stuff before but it's a little bit too bulky so i just take two desk lamps face them towards me, I can put like a little sheer um, piece of paper over them just to make it kind of, kind of like studio lighting, you know, but I think with the pandemic, a lot of um, people have come out with new, you know, these ring lights and all sorts of things that um, Mm -hmm. might help people to have um, good forward facing lighting. You don't Mm -hmm. obviously want it backlit or, um, you know, side to side, you want to just be able to see everything well. So that's Mm -hmm. worth also investing in a little bit. And um, I think beyond that, I mean, some people say, well, you know, do we want to have multi camera angles or something like that? For me, I've never really gotten into that. And I think maybe, um, maybe for someone say teaching piano, that might be helpful, could have something where it's the person's face, and then there's a a camera angle that's maybe hovering above the keys, something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. For violin, I mean, everything's kind of Around my face, and as long as I can back up enough, and the student can back up enough, so that I can see the bow, Mm
1: -hmm. yeah,
0: um, the bowing, you know, all the way out to the tip, and and all of that, then um, we're pretty good. And sometimes I might have people swivel to see a different angle. Do
1: you ever use a uh, a a webcam? I haven't.
0: I haven't. Mm -hmm. I have considered that as well, and uh, that's one thing with the newer Macs that I'm. Looking forward to, I hear that they've updated their, um, their FaceTime camera. So, um, yeah, but with that, I mean, in any of these programs, that's as easy as, um, plugging in your webcam and then going to the program and finding the video settings and then just selecting which camera you want to use. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Great. So
0: yeah, those um, are the basics as far as um, setting up, uh, just the setup. And um, I think beyond that, um, we could probably trans- transition to the next topic, which is just, you know, how to kind of take students online that have maybe been in person, or if you're a teacher who's used to teaching in person, how do you maybe modify to, um, to teach online in a better way? Um, unless there are any questions out
1: there. Um, I don't see any specific questions about this. I think just some uh comments about you know supporting you know these these topics about having a speed test and uh yeah. new Max and make sure you are um uh yeah, thank you run a speed test important and um <laughs> and the ethernet cables yeah, you know very yeah, definitely. important definitely thank you, yeah. Julie
0: yeah and I think um just you know briefly, um I don't want to go into all the different programs you could use, but Skype versus Zoom versus all of these. I mean, I think maybe depending on what instrument you teach or the singing, you know, I know that you've had a good experience with Zoom and uh, singing lessons. You know, I think it's worth maybe exploring all of those and running some some audio tests with friends or family members yeah. who can help you fine tune. But um, definitely settings like where they want to automatically adjust the microphone volume, that's very hard then to hear the student trying to play dynamics or for them mm-hmm. to hear you playing dynamics. So switching that kind of thing off or these settings that want to reduce background noise. Um, I know for violins, oftentimes... So, I mean, we're a beginner, maybe we're making some squeaks and stuff, you know, and then the, uh, the program wants to just cancel that all out, you know, it's like, no, I actually want to hear all those squeaks so we can fix them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So turning those kind of settings off, which, you know, it makes sense that they're there for people just having a conversation, but, but for music, you know, we just want to have the most natural Mm -hmm. bare bones kind of audio experience that, that the program will allow us. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: So as far as transition, yeah, go mm -hmm. ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the same thing. Go ahead.
0: Um, So as far as transitioning students um, who have been in person or, you know, just transitioning your teaching online, um, I find that, and personally I think it's kind of a, it's a benefit, but it's a little bit of a learning curve that students need to be a little bit more self-sufficient with online lessons than they would in person. And uh, at least for teaching Bowed string family instruments um, kind of students show up oftentimes. The teacher takes the instrument, tunes it up, you know, gives it back to the student. Um, if there's something to be marked on the page, the teacher grabs a pencil and marks it for the student. And obviously, this isn't possible when we're teaching online. So um, I've had students as young as six learning to tune their instruments. And uh, sometimes we spend a few lessons just on learning to tune the instrument because, between um, just needing to hear the pitch uh, with a violin or viola or cello, we have these friction pegs that are very hard to deal with. It's kind of an art to tune, and sometimes you know the students get pretty freaked out. They might have tried on their own and broken a string, and we just go slow. and And I think that that time, um, although we wouldn't necessarily be doing that in a, in a lesson, in a, in a uh, in-person lesson, I think it's really forcing the student to be in tune, which they want to be in tune when they're practicing at home anyway. So that is something that, um, that teachers might have to take extra time and might be kind of frustrated by, but it's worth doing. And then I also think as far as marking the page, um, you know, little kids, I mean, sometimes they ask me to spell out the word because they don't really know how to spell it yet. And I say, you know, we all have to kind of come up with our own way of notating reminders in our music anyway. So maybe it's a little picture that we draw or something. Um, But just for them engaging with that instead of the teacher just scribbling something that the student may never read again, I think is actually kind of a benefit. But it does take more time and we need to learn how to... Address that you know in a quick way, if we, if possible, and mm-hmm. uh, and to point out you know if we have a spot in the music where we want the student to start rather than at the top, um, let's do line three, measure two. Do the student does the student know what a line is? Do they know what a measure is for using sheet right. music? You know, right. or maybe if we're right. singing, do they know what the chorus is versus the verse or right. something like that? So it kind of requires the student to to in some ways go more in depth which um, does take more time but I think ultimately is the benefit of this mm-hmm. mode of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously manual adjustments aren't possible. I can't reach through the computer and put someone's bow arm in a different way or something like that but um, if we can have a process around how to demonstrate these things and if it's a young student have the parent close by to help with any manual adjusting and then I found that we can do all of the same sorts of fixes that we could in person. And, and I wasn't personally ever a teacher who wanted to like reach out and grab a student just because I had a few experiences along the way where I felt like that was very jarring in the middle of a piece to have a, a teacher grab my arm and you know I didn't mm-hmm. really know it was coming. So, um, so I think it's, and I've heard from other teachers as well as they've gotten into this pandemic year. Um, That, wow, you know, there's a lot that actually can be done just by demonstrating and by um, explaining, you know, and just to go in depth with that. Mm -hmm. So um, those are some big differences as well as, um, you know, I used to always play along with students if they were sounding out of tune. I'd say, okay, let's just play together. You listen to me and try and match my notes. But um, when I started teaching online, I found out that really like when we're playing, it's hard to even listen to ourselves. We might have all of this stuff going on in our head, you know, how we think it should sound or, you know, critical thoughts or whatever. And uh, so how are they going to listen to themselves and me at the same time and better to play the note. Okay. You match my note, play it back to me and to play back and forth when we're trying to fix something like intonation or refined tone. Um, mm-hmm. And that's been a real actual benefit of teaching online, but very different than a lot of, um, at least violin teachers, how we're going about mm-hmm. that.
1: I love yeah. that idea about playing after me, you know, yeah. uh, we because sometimes we have to just, you know, mute each other on Zoom, mute ourselves on Zoom, so we can sing along with our teacher or sing along with a student. But I love that sing after me or play after me as far as, you know, for you. Yeah. Uh, because then it's it's so similar to being in the room as similar as you could possibly get.
0: Yeah, we go back and forth, you know, and we we just refine it that way. I play it again, they play it again. You know, let's let's go a little higher with that finger or let's um lighten up the pressure on that bow, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so then they're really they're they're feeling it in the moment and um and then they're they're being able to reflect that off of how they're hearing me, you know. And um, and similarly, when I would play duets with them, this is back in my just in-person days, um, sometimes, you know, it's like I want to make sure the duet carries along and uh, all the notes are lining up so they might slow down a little bit. And I kind of slow down with them a little bit as much as I might have tried to just like keep up the pace, you know. And Mm -hmm. so as far as duets go, that's one real drawback to... The online lesson experience. Um, we can't really traditionally do that in a traditional way, but um, but I've recorded a lot of duets where I'm just maybe playing on video, maybe with a metronome, and then they have to um, in their practice at home they play along with me, or mm-hmm. in a lesson you know they have that video up and they play along with me, and it's really stressing that importance of them keeping keeping the tempo, keeping up yeah. and tuning in the moment. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna be adjusting to them since the recording mm-hmm. is already complete, so. Right, that... right.
1: I have a question though, um, as far as getting that, that recording to your students, does mm-hmm. your tech um, uh, over Skype or FaceTime, that, that uh, allows you to record the lesson, is that correct? Um, I have done that before, um,
0: yeah. all all of those programs do offer ways to record the lesson. And some of my older students, adult students, uh, they wanna just have the lesson um, recorded. And and so as long as they ask me ahead of time, I'm fine with that. Um, Yeah.
1: But then, yeah,
0: most of the time when I'm I'm recording a demo for a student, I might um, do it after the class. And um, then I will use, most of the time I'll use um, QuickTime, and i don't know a lot of people don't know maybe that quicktime it doesn't just play video but you can actually record a video you rec- can record an audio you can record a screencast you know all these cool things that um i didn't know until maybe a few years ago that quicktime could actually do so then i'm um just yeah able to kind of just control the quality there and take my time with it and then i'll load that up into dropbox and i have a big video library that um a lot of times it's kind of at this point the same videos that i'm sending out to a lot of different students who need similar things so
1: that is so great
0: yeah sometimes during during the call it's helpful just to be able to here i'm going to demo this anyway let me just record it for you and then Mm -hmm. i can either just quickly send it to them through skype or through zoom or Mm -hmm. um, in an email or text or something
1: Right. That's such good advice because you're creating content and value for your students over and above the time you spend with them, you know, uh, in a live session, um, which is so great because they can replay it over and over again and, and be, you know, really excel. Yeah,
0: for the especially for the technical stuff and uh, for, yeah, and then, you know, just, just for demos so they can really hear how it's supposed to be. I mean, there's a lot on YouTube, you know, pretty much any song the student wants to learn. There's probably 50 versions, if not more, on YouTube, but some aren't the best quality. You know, some, especially my adult students, they go and they see a four-year-old playing the piece that they're trying to learn and then they get really disheartened. So <laughs> Yeah better just to, you know, at least then, you know, they have something that um, I can kind of get behind and I'm happy for them to go check out other versions, but at least they have one video from me that, that I know is what I'm trying to teach them and, and they can follow without mm-hmm. having those questions. Is this really what I should yeah. be
1: doing with my bow hold? You know, that's so, great. Um, and you, and you call it a demo and you mm-hmm. say to your student, when you're a live session with them, I'm going to demo this for you and send it to you. Is that right? Yep, that's perfect. That's a that's a yeah. great tool. I love that idea.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, yeah, really, I mean, I think those are all the qualities there that um, we would need for taking lessons online. I mean, um, and, you know, just a lot of other successes, I guess, for being a, um, an, a good online teacher, I think is just those things that we would want to do to be a good teacher in general. I mean, being um, genuinely concerned with the student's progress and um, genuinely um, care about them as a person, you know, these sort of things have that rapport. And um, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that most of your students are in one particular age range or, um, Bracket as far as their skill set. I'm not concerned. teaching
0: super super little kids these days. I'm I have a couple little littler ones. Um, like what I consider like below six is like the little, the early early age students. Um, I taught a lot more of those when when we were in person, and I think that is maybe an age range where it's a little bit more difficult, obviously online. But I have done it successfully, and the parents just really have to be involved. And that's great because they should be involved anyway, if the student's going to practice at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say it's it's a, it's a big mix. You know, I have a lot of adult students, a lot of teenagers, um, the preteens and, you know, kids that are like eight and nine. Um, I really enjoy all of them. Yeah, I yeah, think the right. oldest these days is probably 70s, 70s. And then uh-huh. the youngest right now is three. So...
1: Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is, wow.
0: That's very comprehensive for you. They keep me on my toes. (laughs) And learning so much about playing through having to teach different ages and, and, um, different learning styles as well. You know, the way that I might instruct one person, I try it on the next one and I have to just modify a little bit so that, um, they'll be able to pick it up. And uh, and I love that Mm -hmm. about teaching.
1: Yeah, yeah. And do they play different genres of music or or is it basically a tech um, or technical um, uh, technique class that you teach, uh, regardless of music genre? Um, It varies.
0: And what I've really enjoyed about online teaching is that some people have been able to find me for very specific either genres that they want to explore or... um, more often like really specific technical problems and sometimes pain issues that they've been having or -hmm. performance anxiety issues they've been having. And, Mm -hmm. um, I really love the technical stuff. Um, I feel like I'm a scientist in a lab and I'm like running experiments and we're trying to figure out, you know, how they can hold their bow differently to make the best tone or how they can, um, you know, release maybe some tension that's developing in the left side. And, um, and I find that very fascinating. So I've, I've found people, they found me, you know, who just, they weren't able to find anyone who was willing to really go deep into those issues. So I do Mm -hmm. really enjoy teaching that. And I think for teachers who want to maybe kind of set themselves apart, um, Sometimes if we just want to get a lot of students, we might say, I teach everyone and everything all the time, but to actually specialize and to figure out, well, what are you most passionate about? And, um, you know, if you have a website, maybe putting out some keywords on your website around those things and um, trying to gather, maybe they're not millions of students, but maybe just, you know, enough very specific students who would really benefit specifically from what you can offer and mm-hmm. um, so that's what I try and do. And um, I think as far as repertoire goes, I mean, most students are doing at least some classical technique we're, we're, or classical repertoire. We're, we're definitely doing a classical based technique, but then a lot of them want to explore different fiddle genres and stuff like that. So I, I've dabbled enough in in that myself, as well as improvising where, um, yeah, it's it's always fun when a student has a really specific goal in mind that's maybe a little bit unusual mm-hmm. um and yeah we can explore that together so oh, that's yeah, great yeah i try I, and um yeah specialize in the way specialize in the student you know as long as we have good rapport and we can work well together then it's like okay well let's see where you want to go i have an idea of what
1: that path looks like so i can guide you there and, yeah. Uh, yeah i'm gonna go from there I love that phrase, specialize in the student. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Because it's it's so specific about what they need, and everybody's different. Yes. Everyone is so different.
0: And the good thing about the violin, I mean, people have been teaching violin. Violin's been around for 400-something years, um, at least in its current incarnation. And there's been a million very very talented teachers you know who've written volumes and volumes so we don't really have to recreate teaching the violin um but i think we do need to make that accessible to the individual and um, that's yeah that's where i think we come in uh, to the picture you know and and not all students are going to be the perfect fit for us we're not going to be the perfect fit for all students but um but those ones that i've connected with um it's just it's just such a special connection that um yeah you know it just makes my heart sing (laughs) just to see their faces um especially you
1: know some we just we have just a really a really sweet connection right yeah i know it's very special i i call their friendships icing on the cake yeah you know and they really are um we do have a question we do have a question um. Uh, let's see. Any secrets in handling a student that is ADD or ADHD? Have you had any of those?
0: Definitely. I mean, yeah. And um, I don't know. I don't like to necessarily put labels on people. I mean, sometimes they want to offer that up, you know. But um, I mean, I know, you know, especially little boys can be very rambunctious. <laughs> want to play really fast you know want to switch things up um what i found and you know as far as um practice in general um oftentimes you know like the brain doesn't really want to focus on something for too long we start to kind of check out or we start to kind of lose the benefit so with um a lot of students i might say okay we're gonna play this song and then we're gonna go to this other song and then let's come back to this other song and let's try it one more time and just see if we can improve it a little bit and then we just might change things up a little bit more often and um, I call it like a round robin practice technique anyway and I encourage my students to do that where we just mm-hmm. we don't wait for perfection like we don't practice something so long until it's perfect because we're not really anticipating that happening on that day anyway um, that's not the the. it's more about the process and so working on the process and with a student, you know, who just kind of wants to, you know, I have a couple students who are kind of chatty. They wanna chat, they'll play it once, and then they wanna tell me about something completely unrelated to music. (laughs) And, um, you know, I have to kind of rein them back in a little bit and and kind of set some boundaries there, which can be hard when they're very, um, just, you know, they don't wanna focus. And um, but, you know, just kind of setting parameters, like I have one student where we have um, a deal where he gets to it's like it's almost like he needs to blow off steam so I can get him to focus for maybe five minutes. And then he's just like he's it it looks like physically he's a volcano that's about to explode. (laughs) (laughs) And and like, I think he would just run out of the room basically. And I don't know what he would just run outside or something after five minutes. But, um, when, when I can get those moments of focus, then he's like very determined sometimes. And it's really awesome to see. So then I made a deal with him where I said, okay, well, we're going to have two, just whatever songs during the lesson. And, you know, first we have to start with one of my songs, but then after that, after we focus for a little while, you can just play anything you want and he can play it as fast as he wants. He can play it as messy as he wants, just to kind of get that volcano explosion out of the way. (laughs) And then most of the time, then he'll go back and then he'll be able to settle into another song for a little while. And um, with him, I also encourage him to bring some songs to the table because if it's like a pop tune or something that he's really interested in and his friends are interested in it at school, he's much more likely to want to focus on that. That's yeah. fine. He's still playing. <laughs> and then later in the lesson, it's like, okay, here's your other song. And sometimes he doesn't even want to do the other song. If he, if he's really been engaged with what, what we've been doing, but if he needs to, he can explode again on some other song that, you know, he's learned yeah. in the past and he just wants to get out of the system. So
1: that's, that's great um, advice. That's great advice. You just have to kind of keep
0: moving with them, you know? And yeah, yeah. You know, we can have an agenda, but at the end of the day, again, we're specializing in the students. So that's right.
1: That's right. You know, we just try and guide them. So, well, we have another question. Um, Peter Lindorf's music uh, asks If you give online group lessons, what is a typical class size?
0: I haven't done that, but I have um, thought about it. I've, I've done a few, like kind of similar to this, like a webinar type thing. And um, I think for violin, what I would, what I would do anyway, would um, would definitely be to limit <laughs> the class size and to kind of run it like a masterclass. And I thought right. about doing that with a few techniques that I enjoy specializing in, like vibrato. So I would um, probably have maybe up to ten students, maybe fifteen. Um, if everyone's kind of of the same relative um, mm-hmm. age and relative ability level, and um, I would want to you know kind of highlight certain students who want to share, and then use them like a master class as a way to kind of get into some topics and and do some more one on one stuff. I really like the one on one. And back when I was doing a lot of in person teaching, I was also doing group lessons back then, mm-hmm. and I just they really wore me out. Honestly. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i so, I agree <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just kind of I'm more of an introvert in general, so I think um yeah, that's worked for me better is just the one on one but I have considered yeah doing more group lessons, especially because um like I was saying earlier, you know a lot of students come with similar issues and
1: mm-hmm. you know. well, uh, oftentimes you'll have a music camp that uh if it's online it'll board it'll afford you that opportunity yeah. to uh to have a whole group of people there you know on mute playing along with you. Yeah uh, at a music camp, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, this has been a lot, and some of my students have taken part in those camps, and, and they've kind of given me the, the lowdown on how it was run, and stuff like that, and, yeah, it seems like, for the most part, they've enjoyed doing that, you know, being able to kind of play along with the teacher, and, um, yeah, just kind of have more, Mm -hmm. like, a little bit more of a group
1: experience. Yeah, well, I think that we were going to talk about marketing, uh, online lessons, and I, 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 for one, am really interested in this topic. Yeah. So let, let us know what you do.
0: So, um, it's interesting. I've had teachers contact me about marketing online lessons and I say, well, do you have a website? And they say, no. <laughs> so uh-huh. like, okay, that's what you need to do first. Because <laughs> if you're gonna be online, that's how most people are gonna find you is online. Um, not to say that's the only way, we'll talk about that in a moment, but um, to have a website and, to put some keywords in your website, um, like I said earlier, um, mentioning maybe, you know, if it's Zoom or if it's Skype or if it's FaceTime, whatever type of program you're using, because oftentimes people might be, say, typing in the instrument, um, you know, so in my case, you know, Skype violin lessons. And uh, so you want those words to show up a decent number of times on your page so that um, Google or, you know, the search engine will find you and start to boost your ranking. But um, yeah, using a website builder like Squarespace or Wix.com or um, there are plenty others. Um, People can, they don't need to know code, they can just do it themselves. And um, I, I mean, my husband also teaches quite a few instruments and he's picked up students through social media. Um, I'm not doing a lot of social media these days. I'm taking a bit of a, a breather, but um, he'll go online and he'll do a little, um, you know, guitar concert online streaming, you know, concert. And then someone will say, "Hey, by the way, do you teach?" And you know, he's picked up some students that way. So um, definitely, right. being online, having having an online presence is very important. And there are definitely some platforms that uh, also promote teachers. I've seen more popping up through the pandemic, but um, I know Lessons Face has been around for a really long time. Uh, there are others. I, I would say if you're interested in maybe being listed on some of those, um, just type in your instrument or, you know, vocals, singing, and then um, Lessons and just kind of see what sites come up. A lot of them, you can just have a free um, a free profile. And um, I haven't had too much luck with those, but um, a lot of them, they want you to kind of keep this updated calendar all the time of your availability. And, um, I kind of like to just do that on my own and, Mm -hmm. um, not have people just randomly booking me all the time. So, um, Mm -hmm. so I've kind of shied away from that kind of stuff, but I think, you know, especially someone just starting out and who really wants to get some students, I do see other Mm -hmm. teachers on those kind of platforms who Mm -hmm. have tons of reviews. And so I assume they have tons of students too, that they're getting through those platforms. So that's definitely Um, an idea.
1: Our our host, um, uh, Julie with Far West, uh, posted uh, a website called LessonFace.com. Yeah. Did you mention so, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. LessonFace.com. Yeah.
0: They've been around for probably at least eight years, I want to say. They were they were jumping in there. So, yeah, I was starting in 2009. And in 2011, the New York Times contacted me about a, an article they were doing. And um, that was just kind of when stuff was first ramping up, I feel like, for online lessons. And people still thought it was pretty weird. But then right after that article came out, there were quite a few sites that popped in saying, okay, we're going to jump on this bandwagon. (laughs) And some have come and gone. But, yeah, the lesson face has been around this whole time. So they might be a good one for new teachers to check out. And yeah, the keywords. And then I think, um, you know, that specialization. So, um, you know, if you're on forums or I've picked up a lot of students from just work that I've done like with Strings Magazine and just kind of putting myself out in different ways or on YouTube, um, you know, as a teacher and then people are looking for, you know, how to better shifting technique or something. And then they find your blog post or they find your video. And go oh wow and at the bottom you know it says she teaches online so mm-hmm. um, I've definitely picked up students that way as well as in, you know in performing and when we all can kind of get back to that um, having your business cards there that mention that or having a flyer there that mentions that and and again like kind of setting yourself apart from maybe what the general teachers might be offering you know, Mm -hmm. so, um, it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be, I, I do everything, but I do these specific things really well and, um, to promote that. So
1: you you think that specializing for what you do really well is actually a benefit, not, not a drawback. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and that might be a little bit scary for some teachers (laughs) because we just want to get students and, um, everyone come on down, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, (laughs) Would we want, you know, everyone as friends? Um, I mean, it would be nice maybe if we had that much in common with everyone, but it's just not how things are, you know. So it's the same with students. You know, some students they're meant for us, we're meant for them, and and others it's just it's not a good fit, right? So right, yeah. right. So at least if exactly. we can get really clear on what we want to do, what we feel like we can offer that's a bit um, unique, or at least what we're passionate about, right? And then put that out there, we're going to attract those people that are passionate as well about those things. And I've gotten just some really sweet, especially some of my adult students where, you know, they have they've had a long journey with this instrument, many teachers, you know, and they just they've kind of come to terms with, you know, if I could just kind of fix this one thing. Or you know, now my body feels achy because I'm in my 50s or 60s or 70s, you know, this sort of thing. And I could just find someone who is willing to work with me on that, and then they're so appreciative, you know, and that mm-hmm. just um, that just warms my heart so much.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's so great. Um, we uh, have a, a last item we wanted to talk about, which are the pros and cons of virtual teaching, and how to make the most of not being together in person. Yes, I think we we've kind of discussed that all along, but I think maybe we can focus in on that for the last few minutes. That would be
0: awesome. I have a little list here of some of my favorite pros, and um,
1: I'm going to write them down.
0: Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I did a blog post of this a while back too that have some more, but um, it's on my website. They can check out the Violin Geek blog for more stuff. But um, to use to actually utilize the full lesson time for lessons for for teaching for instruction because if they show up in person it's like five minutes of getting the instrument out and tuning and then you know then they're playing and then they have to kind of pack up maybe five minutes at the end and you know oftentimes maybe we're running over time i have another student waiting this sort of thing so here it's just like the hopefully anyway (laughs) the instrument is tuned we're ready to go you know we we share a few minutes of just how's your day going and what's going on with you in in general but then we can just dive on in and when we're Mm -hmm. done um they can keep practicing at home they don't have to pack up and drive away you know sit in traffic or whatever and also before the lesson they can be warming up so most of the time it's not like oh i'm just rushing in from soccer practice and school and work and all of this they're just yeah i've been warming up for about an hour i feel pretty good let's dive on in Yeah. So those, those are kind of two, but, but yeah, one big, one big pro I feel like, (laughs) and they're also in their space. So oftentimes they're a little bit more comfortable and relaxed. And some of my adult students in particular have performance anxieties. So it's, sometimes it's just more comfortable for them, you know, to just Mm -hmm, be at home mm -hmm. and they can relax. But um, what else do I have? Well, (laughs) I didn't catch COVID (laughs) or any colds or flus. It's been a year and a half since I've had a cold, knock on wood. And that's awesome. You know, just having to, um, you know, cancel students and stuff because I'm sick is no fun. And, um, if they have, you know, just the sniffles or something like that, not something that's gonna put them out in bed, but, but maybe they don't want to give it away to anyone. Um, they can still have their lesson, you know?
1: And, Mm -hmm. um,
0: so that's really helped to keep the consistency of lessons. Whereas I used to have a lot more just cancellations because of sickness, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Other pros. um, Generally, you know, I've attracted more dedicated students. I feel like local students, sometimes they're just like, who teaches locally? Here's a person. Okay, let's just go with them. Whereas people who are really finding me online, they have um, a reason to find me. You know, they really want to learn from me or they really want to learn from someone and they can't find anyone local. And so Mm -hmm. they really value it maybe a little bit more. And that's, um, you know, it's just a big generalization, but I have found that personally. And mm-hmm. um, what else? It's rare for a student not to be on time. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not like, hey, I'm stuck in traffic. I mean, sometimes they're stuck in traffic going home. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that's another thing. I've, I've had a few students, I, I call and they're in their car. I'm almost there. I'll be there in two minutes. Okay, I'll call you back or you call me when you get there. <laughs> But most of the time they're just, they're there ready to go, you know? So that really helps. Um, Let's see. Um, My partner thinks I'm I'm crazy, but I'm someone who likes to just really, like I get um, momentum and I just like to go for it. So if I have momentum for my teaching day, I want to teach like 15 students that day. And I could not teach 15 in-person students because there's just too much. I need too much of a buffer between students to get them out the door and get the new student in so with online lessons I've really enjoyed how I can just I can do many more back to back yeah and if you need breaks between students that's fine but for me I like to basically start in the morning and I like basically roll through the time zones starting in like Europe the Middle East or um, people maybe who are more local but are morning people or you know they don't they're retired or whatever and then into the afternoon i can start hitting um the us and west coast and and um and then into the evening you know people getting off of work more in pacific time so i'm able to just fit in a lot more students into just a fewer days and that was Mm -hmm. really beneficial for touring where i could just pack them all in and you know have my teaching hat on for a couple days two or three Mm -hmm. days and then to go and just, um, put on my performer's hat and do that role for the rest of the week. Um, but just in general, you know, just my personality seems to suit that pretty well.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Longer days. So
1: I've enjoyed Mm -hmm. that. Um,
0: let's see, maybe a few more pros here. I already talked about being able to travel and tour and I've also had students who've moved away and like moved to different places while I've been teaching them and we're still able to carry on. So just everyone's moving around and we're able to still
1: Mm -hmm. have that connection, which is great. Um, And what would you say some of the cons are? Yeah. um, What are the cons?
0: would Would be not being able to, I mean, I talked about the duet playing and, um, and it's nice to have them have those videos, but I feel like the main, um, just that enjoyment that I used to have so much from playing duets, it's not there. <laughs> yeah. I do get that enjoyment when, you know, I see them playing really, really well to my video and they get to that point, but, um, it's just not quite the same. So I would mm-hmm. say that that's unfortunate and it's the, the, um, The non-duplex quality of Skype and Zoom and all of these platforms where Mm -hmm. as soon as someone's a bit louder than the other person, that person takes over the whole audio experience of the call. And then it's like, okay, now I can't hear you at all. (laughs) So that's that's been a big con for me. Um, Occasional tech glitches, you know, and we just kind of find a way to deal with that. We um, start the call again. We start the program again. These sort of things. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's fine. We we um, try a different program, maybe, if whatever, or a different device. And so I think yeah. we just kind of have to roll with that. But most of the time, that's, especially these days, like early on, there were a lot more glitches 10 years ago, you know, but yeah, these days, not so much. Um, mm-hmm. And then not being able to manually adjust students, which, um, again, was never a big problem for me, because I wasn't a particularly hands-on style of teacher, but I know some teachers are very hands-on. And so that would be very different for them.
1: Yeah. 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 You
0: know, suddenly demonstrate and explain rather than just Mm -hmm. say, do
1: this, do that. Yeah. I, I had a, a, a student who actually lives not too far away from me. And so, uh, of all the, all of them, she's pretty close. And so she opted to come out to to my my location to actually have her first ever uh meeting in person and lesson in person recently yeah. and i was so excited because i was able to actually see her breathe hear her mm-hmm. sing in the room you know it was it was great but uh, uh for over a year we've been re- meeting online so it's yeah. we've developed that oh so i'm, I'm really grateful
0: yeah, it's interesting when when I have had students who've been in person and then maybe for whatever reason they're moving away or they just you know they can't do the drive; it doesn't fit into their schedule anymore. And so most of the time they're coming on uh, in online; they're doing their lessons online. Um, it's yeah, sometimes it's really odd for them to then come back and come in person. It's yeah. just so physical over there <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Right. But um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just it's just so important to be um, just be present with the student with what, you know, and just what they need right now. And sometimes as teachers, we can get overwhelmed with, gosh, they need to fix that and that and that and that and that. And that's going to make them overwhelmed. But just to Mm -hmm. kind of figure out, okay, here's the big umbrella picture. What's like one thing that could make them sound a bit better just today? You know, and we might as far as violin goes, I mean, intonation is a big factor. Tone is a big factor. Honestly, I think I'd rather hear someone playing with good tone than perfectly in tune because bad tone can be pretty screechy and scratchy, you know. So Mm -hmm. if we can just get that smile on our face at the end of the lesson, like, wow, okay, I still have a lot of work to do, but now, you know, it's sounding better. People aren't going to run away. The cat isn't going to hide under the bed when I start my practice, you know, anymore. (laughs) And just, you know, to to really um, foster that, because I think, yeah, especially with online teaching, I mean, people have gotten used to it, and they've had to get used to it in the last year. But I think still people might think, "Ah, I can't possibly be as good as in person, you know, but if you're really making those differences, then I've had students say, wow, you know, I've taken with so many teachers, and I've learned more in this one lesson than I ever have. And it's not necessarily, you know, not to, you know put myself on a pedestal or anything, but it's, it's more just because maybe I found that one thing that we could really focus on that, that instead of dividing our attention between a lot of different things, you know, just one thing. And then we feel, okay, yeah, now we've made a difference and we assume next lesson we'll
1: do the same, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, Laurel, I had uh, your student, Terry Hillen, uh, chime in a little bit ago. He says, been taking lessons from Laurel for four years and love it, her method.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Terry. <laughs> Terry's a sweetheart.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with that recommendation, uh, we've come to the end of our hour and I, I want to thank you uh, Laurel so much for being with us today at far West teaches. Uh, it's You're just welcome. so great to have this, have this conversation of, around, uh, setting up your virtual, uh, online teaching studio. I think that, you know, our major takeaways are that you set up good internet that you, uh, uh, get a, a viable program that suits you and your students, and do some marketing uh, in a way that you know how, and uh, and then be available to really tailor your teaching towards what each student requires. That's so, a great
0: synopsis. Thank you, Susie.
1: Uh, oh, you're quite welcome. It's so great to see you, and and I I do know that there will be a day when we are in the same room, and. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. You can play. I'll sing with you. It'll be it'll be a joyful noise, I know.
0: That would be awesome. Yeah, we could definitely do a, a co or something like that down the road. I think that would be a lot of fun.
1: Okay. So great. Let's stay in touch. And, and uh, uh, of course, I, uh, on behalf of Far West, I want to thank everyone for watching today. Uh, please check out our website, uh, far-west.org, uh, to read about all of our upcoming programming. There it is, www.far-west.org. You can sign up on our mailing list to hear all about our upcoming programming. Uh, The next Far West Teaches is, uh, I believe it's uh, June 17th, uh, with James Lee Stanley, Lawrence Juber, and Rick Riskin. So that's going to be very cool, very awesome uh, programming. And there's so much else going on online. So Uh, again, thank you to Laurel Thompson. It's great to meet you. Check out Laurel's website and uh, consider uh, taking lessons from her if you're in any way interested in fiddle, uh, violin, viola, and even cello, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, thank Thank you.
0: Thank you to Far West. Thank you, Susie and uh, the team putting this all together. And yeah, I hope everyone um, stays safe out there
1: and plays lots of music wherever you are (laughs) yeah that's right keep in touch see you laurel bye bye so i hope you enjoyed that
0: i will share some links in the show notes for far west for folk alliance for Susie glaze and for the video version of that interview in case you want to check that out and watch that Again, my name is Laurel Thompson, and you can find me at my website. It's spelled L-A-U-R-E-L-T-H-O-M-S-E-N.com, laurelthompson.com. I will include that as well in the show notes. And if you're interested in taking some lessons with me, you can contact me via email. I will put my email in the show notes as well, but it's laurel at laurelthompson.com, L-A-U-R-E-L at L-A-U-R-E-L-T-H-O-M-S-E-N.com. If you're enjoying this new intro music, I've mentioned it on the previous few podcasts, but it is a little snippet from one of the tracks I have coming out with my partner Dan Furchette on our latest album. It's our fifth album as a duo, and it'll be released a little bit later on this year right now we're working on getting some music videos together redoing our website Uh, his website's already done our website together so I have a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff that I have to still do until we can set a date to release the album but if you want to be on our mailing list or check us out Otherwise, you can head over to our website, which is danandlaurel.ca. That's D-A-N-A-N-D-L-A-U-R-E-L. And again, it's .ca, which is Canada, which is where he's from. But hey, it also is um, the abbreviation for California. So (laughs) that's where I'm from. It all works, right? Anyhow, I hope that you're doing well out there. And until next time, happy practicing.